0: A woman who has lost her spouse by death and has not remarried. According to a quick search engine hit on my phone, this defines widow. (coughs) Hi, I'm I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. Friendly, denoting something that is adapted for or is not harmful. Thus said, I come in peace. So before we get started, turn up your volume for the reading of the warning label. Warning! Subscribing to this podcast can expose you to segments and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. This podcast contains raw and unfiltered thoughts and feelings from a domestic violence surviving widow. That's always a mouthful. (laughs) And a friend or two. The side effects may be unexpected anger inspiration, self-esteem boost, and laughter so strong, you may pee your pants. An open mind and a change of undergarments are suggested, but not required. And if you need to, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining! Now that we've had all of that out of the way, let's talk about the moment I became a widow and really how the dictionary definition did nothing to appease me. So... I'm on the phone with the hospital and I've been on hold for long enough to know I'm getting bad news. It's been what feels like, I don't know, like 20 minutes? It could have been nine, but it definitely felt like an hour or two. And a men's voice gets on the line. He introduces himself as the hospital's chaplain. You guys, now you know it's bad news. He asked my name and my relationship to the person I called for or about and I said, my name. And I said, I'm his wife. So immediately he apologizes and says, oh, we did not realize that you were the next of Ken. Really? I'm on the other side. You know, I'm on the other end of the line and I'm sitting in the grass and, you know, I've got my baby sisters I'm holding on to in my arms and I'm like squeezing my poor mother's hand. Like I'm thinking my mother is really crying from the pain I'm infliging her and she's really not worried about me. She's probably in her mind like she got this, like whatever's about to happen. We got this. But God, will you stop squeezing my hand? I'm squeezing this woman's hand so far, so fast, so much, so fast. Did I say fast? Please forgive me. So while the chaplain's taking the time to clear out, you know, the simple politics because he's already giving the bad news to somebody else because someone else had claimed to be next of kin, I'm just on the other side bracing myself for news that a little bit of me feels like I know. I feel like, I feel like I know this is the news coming. Why am I talking to you? Why am I not talking to the nurse? Why am I not on the phone with the doctor? Why am I talking to a chaplain? why am I talking to a man of God? In a lot of of rooms, in a lot of places, in a lot of worlds, a chaplain, a priest, a man of God is your last connection to a world that's not here, a world that's not physical. So if the person I was calling about was still in this physical world, why is this chaplain on the phone? I'm bracing myself and I just want him to keep wasting time. I want the chaplain to waste time because until he confirms it, the last news news I had that day was at 4 p.m. when the sheriff called me and the last thing we said, or at least the last thing he said to me was, we have him. He's breathing. He's in the ambulance and we're on our way to the hospital. We should arrive in X minute. Please call the hospital in X minutes. That's the last news that I have. Until this chaplain says what he's on the phone to say to me, I'm still a wife. As far as I'm concerned, while he takes the time to clear out this Mexican stuff and figuring out all these details and explaining to me what happened and just trying to appease me and get me ready for the terrible, terrible news that I'm about to hear, this undivulged news that he just cannot tell me until he clears out why I was not the first to hear it in that moment for maybe 30 seconds, 35, 40 seconds for that little bit of time, I'm still a wife. And even though the fact that I am miles and miles away dealing with this very specific situation over the phone speaks crazy volume and just probably raises a parade load of red flags about my marriage, the fact remains that in those 30 seconds, while my heart is pounding so loud and it feels like it's skipping a couple beats every time. While my sister is in my arms, crying tears so warm, and they're seeping through my shirt and becoming cold on my stomach. And just, I'm still holding on to my mom's hand. And it's like everything has stopped around me. It's like I can hear my breathing, I can hear my heart, like my ears are ringing. And I can hear my mom's tiny whistle when she prays in a very low voice, something like this. And she's praying in that moment. I'm still a wife and I'm sat down on that grass and I am afraid and I don't wanna hear it because the moment he confirms it, it'll be real. And then he does, he confirmed it. They were not able to resuscitate him. My first words as a widow After a really big gasp of just probably trying to look for air, I don't even understand what that exact feeling was. I can never describe that feeling to you ever because I don't even know how to explain it. Have you seen the movie Get Out? I would think that if you imagine yourself going into that sunken place, it's something like that. It just feels like your world is spinning. And you're instantly drowning, yet you're above water. I mean, I thought I was going to collapse and I thought I was going to lose my mind because before he said it, I felt like I knew. Before he said it, it just, so many things made sense. And I, you know, it's not rocket science. You get a call from the sheriff's department. They tell you they're on their way to your home responding to your distress call. Then they call you again and they tell you they found your husband. They tell you he tried to take his own life. But then they tell you they have him. They tell you he's breathing. He's on his way to the hospital. Now listen, I have a lot of experience with he's okay. It did not go through. More than I really should have. More than I should have allowed myself to experience. I just know so many times before, even if it would have almost cost me my life, that part, he's okay. He's breathing. It's so hopeful. Because it's chaos and chaos and chaos. And then it's calm. And it's... He's okay. He's still breathing. Until you talk to a chaplain. And you're like... Oh. Okay. You weren't able to resuscitate him? I don't know. The world just turned off and then it turned back on and I was just standing there on uncharted territory without a flashlight, no hiking or camping gear and I'm pretty sure I could hear the wolves howling in the back. I mean, what the heck? Just like that, I was a widow. So the chaplain asked me, he asked if I wanted to pray, he asked if I believed in God and he asked if I wanted to pray, I said, of course. Yeah, of course I'll pray. And he prayed. He prayed a prayer that I know he believed was going to appease me. When I closed my eyes, I just had another prayer. It was as though I was holding my own life for ransom. And I needed God to come get it back for me. Or from me, I should say. And um, I still don't know how to describe that feeling, but I am (laughs) it. Whatever the feeling, I'm it. And I'm feeling it and I'm in it it's there it's so deep like it's like when you have a pain like right in the heart of your muscle it's it's not topical but it's painful and you like press on your skin hoping to somehow just dull the pain and make it go away but it's not topical it's not flesh it's just it's so far deep inside of you and it's not pain you understand but you just don't know how to fix it and one thing that i've learned from a wee tiny baby age. You pray about it. So I prayed list of the men's. Kind of like, you're going to fix this. Like who, like who am I? I don't know. But that was my prayer. This is not going to break me. In that moment, the adrenaline, the adrenaline is pumping. You are going to fix this. You, take me, use me, fix it. Whatever it is that I have to do, whatever it is that you need to do with me, with my life, whatever this is right now, it, it has to get better, it will get better. And I'm demanding and I'm saying, I don't wanna feel this. Being a widow, my gosh, I was 24 years old. There were so many questions left unanswered. I have been cheated on. I haven't beaten on, and now I was just left. God, I don't know if I was feeling anger. I don't know what I was feeling. I probably felt like a widow. <laughs> it's the only way I can express it. I can explain this. I probably just felt like a widow. And I think that the second definition, like right after the first definition I write you, is probably more appropriate to how I felt. A widow. A last word or short last line of a paragraph falling at the top of a page or column and considered undesirable yes i think that's how i felt just this random awkward seven word line the very top of the next page and i'm like what the heck like what is this where do you why do widows even do what do they eat Are they allergic to anything? What time do they wake up in the morning? What kind of jobs can they have? What is that? But whatever I was, whatever it was, I was it. And I guess I just had to figure it out. I started this because I don't think widows get to talk out loud about a lot of things. I think that a lot of the stuff that we live every day is taboo. And I don't know that I would have become a widow if I had conversations about other things that have happened to me before this has happened. I don't know if today I would have the same story to tell if I had just better conversation before February 10th, 2014. But I know this. I know that I have harmed myself from keeping quiet. I know that I have harmed myself from keeping my truth away for the glory of someone else. I know that I have worshiped Who I looked up to as a hero and refused his humanity and refused my weakness. I think I didn't hold myself accountable enough and I didn't love myself enough to walk myself out of this predicament. And I just think that I spent too much time fighting the guilt. We're six years later and I think I have a few addendum too. The definition of a widow. I have a few conversations that, was, that will save lives. It was February 10th, 2014, and I had just become a 24-year-old domestic violence surviving widow. I had just lost my best friend and my abuser all in the same moment. My self esteem was at a good negative 25. I was now a widow. I knew how to spell it, but I had no idea what that meant. Anyway, I've learned a ton and I've talked a ton and I've understood a ton and I've picked up a ton. We're six years later and I can't wait to share with you what it's really like and what it takes to become your friendly neighborhood widow please subscribe and hit share click play listen to the next audio file listen to this podcast we'll talk later okay